As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Danielle Wiley hosts a great podcast called The Art of Sway. Danielle, tell us what you talk about on the show. The Art of Sway brings listeners inside the world of marketing as seen through the lens of influence. So each week I chat with an expert guest for a lively discussion about connecting ideas with audiences in an attempt to uncover all the ways influence impacts how and what we discover, purchase, and recommend to each other. Wow. And where can people subscribe? Go to theartofswaypodcast.com. Find the show at marketingpodcasts.net or search for The Art of Sway wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. The Guidicles podcast gives you the tools, direction, and resources you need to pursue your passion project. I'm Deborah Eckerling, Project Catalyst, and this is the Guidicles podcast. Our guest today is Michael Laskin, and we're going to talk about authenticity. Michael is a professional actor for 40 years and director, producer, and teacher. He is also author of The Authentic Actor. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure, Deborah. And so you wrote a book called The Authentic Actor. Yes, I did. And tell us a little bit more about the book. The message of the book is, you know, acting is, is an endeavor um, about doing. It's about the doing of things. And the most successful actors that I've come across, particularly in film and television, were more about being than doing. They were more about like their personal, they resonate personally in a way that dominates the scene, the material. There's something about their personal presence. And nobody was teaching that. Not that you can teach that. You can't teach that, but you can open the door and say, that's where you go, right over there. And so I decided, I mean, very briefly, the way I look at it is if your creative life is a blank sheet of paper and you've got a line down the middle, you have two columns. One column is all the things you can do, all your accumulated skills, and the other column is who you are when you walk in the room. The who you are often trumps what you can do in the professional world. And the personal, you know, when, when you met me, when I met you, even though Skype, very quickly, we have a very quick blink of an eye feeling about somebody. It's not, a, I have a quote in my book, which I'm actually proud of. I can't believe I even made it up because I think it's so good. <laughs> it's not show business, it's human business. And it's really true. You meet somebody and you instantly, that's the way it is on film. When you see an actor come into a scene, you instantly have a response as you would if that actor walked into the room to meet you. So you can't teach that, but you can curate that a little bit. And that's, I didn't see any, all the, most of the acting teaching 
is mired in old dogma that's 70, 80 years old, all this old stuff, which was great at the time, but it's increasingly irrelevant. And I, I thought there would be a new way forward. It just Not that it's all about that. You have to have the skills and you have to have the talent, but it has to be married to a strong sense of identity. And that's kind of what the book's about. Well, and you caught the acting bug early? It's a bug. Yeah, you do catch it. It's like a bug. You have to lay down and you get sick and you stay in bed and... <laughs> Yes, I did. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, as you and I shared, and um, yeah, I. It's just every. It's it's what I always wanted to do, and I was I was quite good at it, and I be, had a great deal of success early on, and just kept doing it, and I kept thinking, well, this isn't this is going to eventually not work, and it always worked. So uh, when I teach, I'm not in the discouragement business because I just. Everyone always says, oh, just tell them it's terrible. Don't do it. You know, well, nobody could have convinced me of that. So I'm not, I think that's like spreading a cold. I don't really think it's very productive. But I do see people who are immediately present. And that's just, that's just how they are. You know, they're, they're born that way. And, and some who need to work on that. Okay, so need to work on that. So for people who aren't born present, are there things that mm -hmm. they can do to be more authentic themselves or whatever yes, word yeah. you want to use? I have an exercise that I do that um, I made up that I think is is uh, very effective. And I do it with new students and with new clients that I meet sometimes. I always say, bring me some, if you're a student of acting, I say, bring me something that's that you're great in, that you've had some success with. Come in and do a piece, a monologue or a scene or whatever. I want to see where, where your talent sits. That's one thing. The other thing I have them do, uh, which relates to your specific question, I said, write something that's, uh, it's, I call the, I should get a better name for it, but I call it, this is what I know. It's an exercise. And I said, just write what you know. I mean, it, and it, I said, it's not therapy and I don't need to know the deepest, darkest secrets, but I'd like to know how you see the world around you. What do you know? This is what I start every sentence with. This is what I know. I know that you can talk about your cat. You can talk about traffic. You can talk about food. You can talk. And eventually, if you keep writing it, you will ladder up to things that are big, like like parents and disappointment and life and, and ambitions and you name it. So I said, just write. I said, you think you know what you know, but you you don't know it until you write it down. So write it down. You'll learn something that you didn't know that you knew previously, and then you have to speak it in front of a room of strangers. Because usually, if it's a new person to the class, so I said, the act of writing it down and speaking it is a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. And so once I see when you bring in something that you're good at let's say, a, tent, a piece of acting, and then I see this is what I know, which is your worldview, then I have the full artist in front of me. And so some people, you know, you get to know more, you get to know a great deal more about who you are as you get older naturally. But for artists, for young actors in particular, um, you have to jumpstart that process a little bit. And this thing, this does work. I've used it lots of times. You know, the irony is, see, I, I think that, for instance, film and, and television acting is an identity-based endeavor. The person with the strongest identity gets the opportunities. The irony is that most of the opportunities in film and television are, are for people who are 19 or 20 years old. And by definition, they have no idea who they are at that age. 
So my job is to help them open up without getting into therapy and stuff like that. But it's, <laughs> you've got to be clear about who are you? Why should I be interested in anything you have to say? Let's figure out how you see the world around you. And that it does help. And it is it's some people are, are already on that road and some people will never be on that road. But that's the road. So would you say they have to accept that they need to go down that road in order to become better if, at their craft? Yeah. I think if they want to be – if I, I met with a young man yesterday. And my, I had a, my new class started at UCLA, and I said, you know, what, what do you want to be? And he said, well, I want to be that guy who was in that thing, meaning he wants to be an actor who's like been in a bunch of stuff. I said, that's not good enough. I said, you know, you don't want to be that guy in that thing. I said, I've been that guy in that thing. Believe me, it's not that great. What you really want to be is that guy starring in that hit television series or that big movie. That's what you want to be. If you set your ambitions really in, in the middle, you're just going to get the bottom. So I mean, telling them, set your ambitions high. And in order to do that, you have to be present and you have to be, um, you have to walk in the room and and you have to just, be memorable, and it's something you can't teach. But it's the more you, the more you're in touch with yourself and with what your journey is, the more that comes through. And as I say, some people just have it naturally. It's a struggle. It's not easy because actors sometimes become actors because they want to be somebody else. They're not comfortable being themselves. Right. So we have that issue as well. It, so there you go. And this is really for for anyone, whether you're an actor, you're a writer, you're in business. If you want to succeed, you have to get yourself and that'll give you an, a leg up basically. I think so. You know, they, I, I was talking to um, a friend of mine who coaches lawyers, very successful at it. And he was saying some of the young lawyers he's working with now, because they're millennials, whatever they're in their, I guess in their mid to late twenties, just graduated from law school, maybe went to a great law school, got a job at a great firm. He said, they can't talk because they're doing this all the time. Right. They're constantly texting he said they literally cannot talk, and he said it's like a, it's a generational thing. Now with that, with actors that age, I don't see that because actors are they're always talking. You can't shut them up, but uh, you, you know they can't. There there is that. My wife used to was a senior associate dean at the USC Business School, and she we were talking about the MBA people, and you know these are all people with really good hard skills. They really know their analytics, but they can't talk. And the person who's going to succeed is the person who can go into a meeting and make something happen and sell something and, and create some confidence that, that they're going to deliver. It's all about confidence, either you know, creating it, sustaining it. All of it is about confidence. And the confidence comes in being having personal clarity is my armchair opinion. Uh, okay. And, and, and I'm, I'm with you on every, everything yeah. pretty much that you've said. Um, down to when I start working with clients, I have them write their future bio and I say, do something that's achievable, but a little bit more than that, because maybe it won't happen this year, but it could happen next year or the year right. after. But, but I love what, what you said, you know, you aspire for low, you get low, you aspire for high, you can get close to high. Yeah. You might get the middle, you might get the, you know, but you can't, there's no reason in going shooting for the middle. <laughs> Just stay home. You know, it's not. You know, it's not about you. If if you're doing something that requires some personal resonance, whether you're an actor or, or a writer or a creative person, 
that's part of your that's if you don't have that you have to develop it so about these people who can't speak because i think speaking is a problem well not for you or for me but for a lot of people the, they have trouble articulating are there exercises and things people who need to get through that hurdle well i think that if you're talking about public speaking in particular well even private speaking you know taking business meetings going to networking sure. events you know the whole I, I haven't really worked on that specifically, but I've worked on a number of people. I have a guy who has come to me a few times. He's a very well – I won't say his name, but he's a very well-known guy in the – pardon me, in the film and television world. Older guy. He's about 80. Been in the business his whole life. His parents were quite famous. And he's called upon to speak. And he's just terrible at it. He's not good at all. And he, by his own admission, he knows. And he has kind of – his resting face is kind of a morose-looking face. He's got kind of a dark, serious look on his face. And I said, you know, smile a little bit. Just smile a little bit. I said, you're going to feel better and they're going to feel better. And so, and, and number that's number one. Number two, what is it you're trying to say? What kind of social situation do you like? He's maybe speaking to 100 people. He said, well, I like to sit at a table with dinner party and maybe speak to eight people. I said, well, and that's what this is then. Then just create that reality for yourself. Let's just pretend that's what this is. And it doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, the more perfect it is, it's like a bar mitzvah speech. You know, the little kid gets up and says something perfectly and everyone kind of applauds and it's cute because he or she is 13. But, you know, it doesn't work that way. We're interested in imperfection. Mm -hmm. So when you, we really are as a species. I think it, it draws us in. So when, when you do something that's, I said, you know, search for the word a little bit. Don't have all the words. It doesn't have to be perfect. If you need to search for the word, we're interested in that. We're interested in watching you do that. I said, even if you're faking it, even if you know what the word is, but you're pretending you're searching for the word, we're interested in that. So um, it's just about, you know, I don't know about, you know, business meetings and stuff. I, and I've been in a lot of those because I used to work as a, as a branding consultant years ago. And I've been in some, you know, Fortune 500 kind of business meetings, which freaked me out because they all speak they're t most of the mostly they're really bad they're they're very bad at they speak a business speak that is hard to even understand and um yeah the, but the ones who are good are are the ones who get succeed who are just there with you and talking to you like a human being you know so if people think that people are just people and you smile like you're having a conversation with whatever it, it's it's half the battle to be able to get in the room and and be yourself. I think it is. It's like I, I always tell, like I had, a, I had a, a really wonderful bit of work in my acting class last night. And when it started, when the scene started, I knew it was going to be good because they did the same scene last week and it wasn't as good. These are two very, very good actors. And um, starting is, is so important. If you don't start right, whether it's in a scene, whether it's in a meeting, whether it's in a personal conversation, it's just like pushing a rock uphill for the rest of it. You have to start right. And sometimes you can't even quantify that. But it's coming in It's coming in and being present and looking at someone and smiling and shaking their hand and being kind and being interested in them. It's always about being interested in them, right? Mm -hmm. oh, that's yeah, a that's, really good point. Yeah, I think so. Because it, it's part of that connection. Exactly. Exactly. If you, you know, that, that whole 
kind of blink of an eye thing that we have that that I talk about in my book. It's so true. It's so true. If you make a bad first impression, either purposely or inadvertently, it's very hard to get over that. So, you know, I always tell when, when people, when actors, for instance, were in a kind of a, if you go into an audition room in front of network executives and famous people and big directors and stuff, you're going to win or lose that opportunity in five seconds. Before you open your mouth, you're going to win or lose that opportunity. And it's hard to tell people that because it's, 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 because most people lose the opportunity. Most people don't get the job. You know, the odds are very long. But you will, uh, and I don't know how to tell you how to come into the room, but you, your, your entire life comes into the room with you, whether you like it or not, whether you're happy or not. If you're unhappy, but you're masking it and you're pretending to be happy, I'm sorry, it comes into the room with you and people can tell, maybe not even consciously, but they can read it. They can read it. And if you come in apologizing for yourself and, you know, being, I mean, I'm, I tend to be self-deprecating, but it's usually with humor and, and all that. Um, it's just, part of it's just being relaxed. You know, and being being chill with with who you are, but that takes years. I mean, I'm I'm older, and it took me a long time to get to that point. A long time. So just practice being yourself, and you'll get better at it. It's, no, that, that sounds sim- simple, but it's true. I mean, you know, if that's the goal, it depends what people it depends what people's goals are. Mm-hmm. You know, with acting, it's very specific, and you have a very specific project, and you have you know. But that's the work. That's one thing. The work is one thing, but the person is another thing. And I'm, it's above my pay grade. I'm not a mental health professional or anything like that, but I, I recognize it. You can smell it. You just know when someone's together and when they're not. You just know. And, and um, it's kind of – I always say to young creative artists, I said it's your job to lead and examine life. I'm not going to tell you how to do that, but it's lead and examine life. Kind of like, and if you have issues and if you have fears, everybody has fears. You got to learn to dance with those a little bit and not be so, you know, not be so stricken by them, because most everything goes away eventually. It all, it, most of it works out eventually if you just keep moving down the path, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been really, really great informative. Are we stuff. done? Oh, we're almost done. I have to ask you about work-life balance. I mean, you do a lot of different things. Are there certain things that right. you do so you're not always working that you can recommend? One of the things I always tell creative people because they're dealing with something that's intangible, I said, do something tangible in your life, whether it's planting a garden, refinishing a chair. Do something that you can point to and say, I did that. Because if you're writing a script, if you're trying to act in a movie – it's all intangible until it's tangible. And most of the time it's not tangible. Most of the time you don't get that job or, or they're going to buy your script, but then they don't. And so you put, you put in six months worth of work and you don't get compensated for it. So find something that's tangible to do with your hands. I, I think it's really important. I think it connects you to something because every, I, I remember when I was really struggling a bit with this when I was quite a bit younger, I refinished an entire, uh, set of furniture like a big drawer and a couple of chairs and it took as much time as I wanted with it because I wasn't being paid to do it I was just doing it because I wanted to do it do a really good job and it was fantastic therapy it was fantastic because you just can point to it and say yeah I just did that isn't it great yeah. and it's very hard to do that creatively as you know I love 
the idea of the tangible. Yeah. The tangible win. And it helps too if you're always thinking to do things that require a different set of physical and mental skills. So we're going to make that the personal goal this week is to start a tangible project. Love that. Whether it's building or refinishing furniture, planting a garden, I love that. Or even cooking. Yes. And you get to eat. I mean, come on. You get to eat. Come on. It's a win-win. I think that's a good personal goal. And for the professional goal, I'd say write the what I know list. Just sit down and and I'm a huge fan of journaling. So this is a really good, great, immense topic that everybody really should dig into. So... Well, and I also like your thing about, what did you say, write your biography? Your future bio. Future bio, which is, which is very cool. I mean, it's very aspirational. And I think uh, I also, in the, in the line of this discussion, I always tell people, set some goals and give yourself a timeline. You might not make them, but otherwise it just it's nebulous. You'll be sitting in the backyard watching the oranges grow and five years will go by. You know, so you, you need to... You need to have goals and timelines and stuff, knowing that it's very likely you you won't always meet them. Yeah. Yes, but if you have something, well, this is, it's guided goals, so we're we're all about that. So I'm thrilled yeah. that you mentioned it. So we'll we'll make the bonus goal of write a future bio, and the people listening, if you're not writing down your goals, well, then listen to other podcasts that tell you to do that. (laughs) But it's the reason I do the Guided Goals podcast is everybody has, even if they're living the life that they want, they've got something else that they want to do that they're not giving themselves the time or permission. Or if they've got a day job, they have something that they've always wanted to try. So this is to help people say, okay, I can do it even if it's in little increments and just keep building toward what they want and and you do it when you get to know yourself such a good topic too when you get to know yourself you're more in line with what you want and need to be doing absolutely and and with with the goals it's i'm a big i'm a big believer in that i'm a big believer in setting goals and and if you don't you're just you you're you're rudderless you need to have that but be 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 realistic about it that's all Mm mm-hmm any final final thoughts, Michael? Well, yeah, I think that, you know, because we're talking about a lot of the same things, you and I, and I think one of the things I say to people, because it's scary to do something creative, it's scary to say I'm going to be a writer or I'm going to be an actor or I'm going to be a musician or whatever it may be, but you have to ask yourself, how would I feel 10 years down the road if I didn't make that effort, If I, if the what ifs? Can you live with the what ifs when you're 45 or 50 or whatever? What if I had moved to LA? What if I had what if, what if? And if you don't do them, if you do them and you, and, and you don't succeed or, you, or life takes you in a different path, that's fine. You've di- you did it. You did it. You can say you did it and you tried and it wasn't for you or whatever. But if you don't try and if you don't put it forward to really be, um, to follow what's what you want to follow rather than doing what you think you're supposed to do. Uh, I think that's, I think that's really important. And if you can live with the what ifs, then you shouldn't do it. But if you can't live with that, then you, you have to do what you want to do. You know, my son's a writer, very good writer. He's in his twenties. 
and you know he struggles with it and i i just but he's doing great he's doing absolutely great but it's like if you don't do it now you're never going to do it now is the time absolutely and a great final thought to end on Thank you so much. We've been speaking about authenticity with Michael Laskin. And you can go to guidedgoals.com for links to, to Michael's sites and other show notes and to learn more about Guided Goals and how to, you know, get them all set and move forward because you deserve the life you want. So go on out there and go for there you it. Go. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Steve Turney hosts a great podcast geared toward mental health marketers called The Boost. Steve, tell listeners what you cover on the show. The Boost is our podcast, and the tagline is conversations with people promoting mental health, and that's what it is. So it's marketers, company executives, therapists, and mental health advocates talking about what they're doing to move this industry and this important thing called mental health forward. Amazing. And where can people subscribe? I'm big on LinkedIn, so you can find us there, just uh, slash Steve Turney, or you can find the show at marketingpodcasts.net or search for The Boost wherever you get your podcasts. You heard him. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.